0: one of my one of my favorite things to really think about is that our god is faithful and he is true and it will feed into what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. Uh, If you have your Bible, you can go and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're just going to look at one verse today, Matthew 6, verse number 33. And we are going to be talking about, over the next several weeks, about, about stewardship, what we are investing our lives in and what we have, what we're investing those things in. I heard a story about two men that were shipwrecked on an island, and uh, one of the guys just went absolutely crazy because he realized there was nobody around, he was all by himself, and he began to scream out over and over again, we're gonna die. And he just kept saying it over and over again. And so his buddy was with him, he said, man, calm down. He said, we're gonna be fine. He said, how can you say that? There's nobody around here. We're not gonna make it, our lives are over. And his friend said, listen, I make $100,000 a week. We're going to be okay. And his friend looked at him and said, what does that have to do with anything? He said, we're on an island by ourselves. You can't spend money here. We're going to die here. And his friend said, listen, you don't understand. He said, I give $100,000 a week, and I tithe at my church. I promise you, my pastor is going to find us. Now, and y'all, that is a true story. Now, let me tell you something. Anytime we we talk about stewardship, we talk about giving, uh, one of the first things we think of, of course, in the church, we, we think about money. We think about, well, that's what the pastor's doing. The pastor, he's going he's to search me out until he gets every last nickel out of me. That's not true. Every last dollar out of you. And so, But when we talk about stewardship, it's not just talking about money. It's talking about everything you are. And God has called us to be good stewards of everything that he's given us. And that means our finances, that means our times, uh, our time, that means our lives. And so for the next several weeks, we're gonna talk about how we can be stewards, good stewards, better stewards with what God has given us. And so that is why we are going through this series of messages. But before we can be good stewards, we have to have a good idea of what it is that we want to invest ourselves in. Uh, Emily and I are taking a class with, I believe, 16 or 17 other people in the church called Financial Peace. And y'all heard of that before? It's a Dave Ramsey class, and it's been really interesting. We've been, uh, we've been in the class for, um, Sean is, what, about three or four weeks now, and uh, in that three to four-week period of time, what, what we are discovering is how to, how to be good stewards with what we have. Uh, To make sure that we are investing in things that are worth investing in, in. And so that is why we are going through this series, and it's my hope that we will do that. That if we're going to invest our lives in something, that we know what we're investing in, and that we invest well. And so that's what our scripture, in essence, is really about. It's about us being good stewards. And Jesus shares with his disciples and he shares with his followers some very important steps to consider and to take in your life before you make the decision to invest. And so that's what we're going to look at today in that one verse, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And so if you'd like to turn there, you can do it. But uh, this, this section of Scripture is known as the Sermon on the Mount. It is the most famous sermon that has ever been preached. It was preached by Jesus. When Jesus preached this sermon, he was in northern Israel. He was right on the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, Emily and I and some of you in church, we've been there before. It is a beautiful place. And so Jesus was teaching there, and he's teaching about stewardship in Matthew 6.33 which is kind of interesting, because in that section of the country, it was a heavy trading route. There were people who were coming from uh, from north of Israel, uh, so sort of like a Asia Minor would be like coming down from Europe, and then they'd make their way down into Africa, and Israel is right in the middle. So it's a big trading route. And some of those people, they were business people, and so they were investing a lot of their lives and a lot of, of their stuff in just simply the things of this world. And so Jesus is teaching these business people here, hey, when you invest, be smart. Think about what you're investing in. Think about whether it's even worth investing in. And and he shared with them just a few steps to help them to determine how to better invest who they were and what they had and what they were going to invest in. So, So what are some steps we can take before we invest? First one is this. Before you invest, you need to evaluate. You need to evaluate what it is that you're investing in, and that's why I want us to look in verse 33. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Now, before you invest in something, one of the things that you typically do is you say, okay, if I'm going to invest in this, is it it worth investing in? Uh, is it something that's going to, to pay dividends? Is it something, is it a product, if I'm investing in a product, is it a product that I believe in? Is it something that I really believe is a difference maker in life? And so those are just some basic things that we go through whenever we invest in anything. And so that's what Jesus is saying. saying, evaluate where you invest. And so what's Jesus' advice? Well, verse 33, he said, seek first the kingdom of God And his righteousness. Now this statement was made in response to some preceding things in the verses ahead that were going on. Uh, In the verses before, we see that the people in Jesus' day, they're just like we are. They were caught up in the rat race of life. They're caught up in business, they're caught up in work, they're caught up with their families, and they're trying to figure out what they're supposed to do in this life. And in verse 31, they were asking questions like this, questions just like you and me ask all the time. What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? And so what they were focusing in on is they were focusing in on just the day-to-day stuff of life. They were going to invest, and in where they were spending much of their time in what they were investing in was in just the everyday stuff, you know, like we do. You know, what, what, what am I, What's my paycheck going to be in five years? You know, What house am I going to live in? Where are my kids going to get educated? Those were the things that they were thinking about. That's where they were investing, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things But where we can get into trouble is if those things become our primary focus in life. And the reason why is because that kind of stuff, the stuff of this world, is temporary. Y'all, it doesn't last forever. You might wonder, what kind of car am I going to get? Well, it's great when you get that new car, but man, in about two or three years, it's an old car. It just simply doesn't last. And so that's why Jesus was telling the people, when you invest, invest in that which is lasting. If it's, going, if it's going to be something you invest in, make it your first priority to invest in that which has a long lifespan. So that's why Jesus said, see first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, now why do we want to invest there? Because the things of God are eternal. The things of God are lasting. The things of God pay dividends like nothing else on earth does. Isaiah 40, 28 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Yahweh is an everlasting God, the Creator of the whole earth. He never grows faint or weary, and there is no limit to His understanding. John 3:16 lets us know that whoever believes in Jesus and places their trust and their faith in Him will experience forgiveness and eternal life in heaven. It says, follow me, seek me first, and this is what you receive. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I see something like that, I think that's at least something that's worth investigating, evaluating. Eternal life, forgiveness, I might want to take a look at that. And so that's what Jesus is saying. He said, before you invest, you want to evaluate. That's why I like the verse about Moses in the new testament in hebrews eleven twenty-four and 25 it says by faith moses when he was grown refused to be called the son of pharaoh's daughter he chose to suffer oppression with god's people rather than to experience the fleeting enjoyment of sin have you ever invested in something or bought something before that at the time seemed really cool but then as time passed you thought man i wasn't really that good of a decision any of y'all ever done that before um, Dave Ramsey, the financial piece guy, he has, a, he has a podcast, and he said it's always interesting to him. He will always tell people, You need to start saving. You need to start saving your money. And he said, Here's the response that he typically gets from people I can't afford to save. And he says, And people say that, and then I, he said, one of the first questions I ask him is, What kind of car do you drive? And they like, Well, I, I, drive a, I drive a truck. How much was that truck? How old is it? That's two years old. How much was it? $65,000. How much do you make a year? I make $35,000 a year. So yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to invest whenever you spend everything that you've got on a car that eventually is going to eventually break down and get old. Now that, that's, why, that's why Jesus is set, says, he said you, want to, when you when you decide you're going to invest, he said you want to evaluate what it is that you're investing in. Okay, so if we're going to invest in the things of God, I think there's a base, basic couple of questions we ought to, ought to ask. Is this, is this book, is it, worth, is it worth investigating? Is this book, is it, is it a book that is a fairy tale? Is it accurate whenever, whenever people follow it? Does it transform their lives? If you decide that you're going to invest your life in the people of God and in the church, you need to ask some questions about the people of God and in the church. Is the world a better place, and this is a basic question I ask, is the world a better place because we're here? Or just really not so much? You know, it. what is is it worth investing in? Now now here's the conclusion that I that I've come to and I believe many many of you come to. I cannot think of a better a better thing to invest in than the things of God. For one, whenever I whenever I look into this book and I live by this book, which I wish it was more often than I do, but let me tell you something, this book is truth. This book is accurate. This book, written over 2,000 years ago and even more, it speaks truth into the 21st century like no other book there's ever been. It is the Word of God. Whenever I look at the church and I look at God's people, I see you And the church, God's people, making more of a difference in the things of this world than any other group of people or institution that there's ever been before. Y'all, do you understand this? Whenever you look at education, whenever you look at science, whenever you look at hospitals, whenever you look at things like our Constitution, you know where those things came from? They came from God's people. I believe more than anything else, there is nothing greater to invest in than in the things of God. So Jesus says whenever you decide you're going to invest, he says one of the things you want to do is you want to evaluate what it is you're going to invest in. Now stewardship is an important responsibility, but if we're going to be good stewards, there are some steps we ought to take before we invest. One, evaluate. But here's another step to take, and that is before you invest, make sure you pick the right target. You pick the right thing to invest in. What's the right thing? Well, verse 33, Jesus gives us the answer. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Have you have all ever heard of the, the motivational speaker Zig Ziglar before? Uh, Zig Ziglar is a very, uh, very popular speaker. He had a great comment. He said this. Here's what he had to say about goals. He said, If you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. Isn't that a good statement? And he's, I mean, it's a a simple statement, but it is absolutely true. And yet, many of us, we sit there and go, Yeah, that's that's right. And yet, a lot of us, we do that. We do that whenever it comes to stewardship, how we invest our riches, how we invest our lives. I really believe this. I'm not just in general. There's a lot of people who don't have any plan whatsoever. Just live life. Just kind of, kind of go through life with no real target. And then we wonder, what is my purpose? We have to have a target before you discover your purpose. I mean, you have to move towards something. And there are many of us who are just not investing anything. We don't have a plan of attack. Now, now Jesus said to seek. It's the very first word he uses, but he didn't just say seek after anything. He said, be specific in what you seek after. And you want to seek after that which is, worth, which is worth investing in. That's why he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, that sounds good to me. My target in life is to be the kingdom of God. Now, that sounds good in church, right? You know what? You need to seek the kingdom of God. And I'm like, yeah, I need to do that. And then I'm like, what does that mean? Have you all ever thought about that? I mean, how do you seek the kingdom of God? You know I mean? Because when I think of kingdom, I think of castles. You know, I think of uh, soldiers, and I think of a specific place, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek to go there. Well, that's not, that's the Bible. When it talks about the kingdom of God, it's not talking about a geographical territory. That's not what it's talking about. You see this whenever Jesus was standing before Pilate before he was to be executed. In John 18, 33 through 36, it says, Then Pilate went back into the headquarters. He summoned Jesus. Jesus had been on trial here. And he said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Are you asking me this on your own? Or have others told you about me? And then Pilate says, I'm not a Jew, am I? And then uh, he said, Your own nation, chief priest, handed you over to me. What have you done? And here's what Jesus says. He says, My kingdom is not of this world. He said, If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. As it is, my kingdom does not have its origin here. Okay, so what's, where's God's kingdom? It's not here. God's kingdom in heaven. But Jesus has called for us as we live here to help bring his kingdom here. How do we do that? By, by living according to what he says. By being obedient to what Jesus' word has to say. Does that really make a difference when we live according to this word? Let me tell you something. If we really live this book out as Christians, this world would be a different place. I promise you. Jesus tells us what this world is to be about, what, what believers are to be about. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That's first and greatest command. Second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Do you think the world would be different if we actually lived by that? What do y'all think? Even if you don't believe, y'all just nod your heads because we're in church. You're supposed to say, yeah, that's exactly right. It would be a different place. The world would be a different and transformed place. Simply put, we are to live according to God's commands because as we live for Jesus, things can't stay the same. People will discover that there is a God who loves them. People will discover there is a God who heals, that there is a God who restores, there is a God who redeems. But if that's going to happen, it requires stewardship on our part, stewardship of our time, how we serve. What we think about people, how we love and care for people. That's why we went through a series. How are we going to love and care about people and be good stewards of our time at Village Church? We're going to do it in our community ministries, in our uh, campus ministries, in our care ministries, in our civic responsibilities. But God has also called us to be good stewards with our finances. That's why we take up tithes and offerings every Sunday to demonstrate our trust in the Lord we give to Him, to, to, to trust God that He's going to take what we give to Him so that we can turn around and use it in order to promote Jesus in all that we do. Our target is to seek first the kingdom of God, but then another the part of our target is to be to seek His righteousness. And that word righteousness means to be in right relationship with God. Now, to be in right relationship with God means to be obedient to Him. Jesus said in John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Now, what messes up our relationship with God? Sin. Whenever we're disobedient to God. Psalm sixty six eighteen 18 says, if I have sin in my heart, God will not hear me. So my goal and your goal, it's real simple, y'all. Quit sinning. You know, are we done? We can go home now. I, the lesson for today is quit sinning. Okay, that sounds good. And I understand that, but man, I don't know about y'all. I do know about y'all. I'll just speak for myself, though. I really struggle with that. I struggle with it. Seeking first God, I struggle with that because I want to seek me first. But as I seek God, man, when I stumble and fail, here's what I do. I ask God to forgive me, and I repent of my sins, and I get back on the horse again. But if I'm going to make headway in this area, I have to know my target. So I can get back up and continue to move towards it. Now there's a lot of us who in our lives, we have, we have a target that we are aiming for. But here's the problem, it's the wrong target. A lot of us are aiming for, we're aiming for more money. We're aiming for fame. We're aiming for particular particular status, symbols in our lives. That's what we are aiming for. Now those things look good on the surface but guys let me tell you something what you aim for eventually is going to make all the difference in the world and you and I had better make sure we are aiming for the right thing. There's a great story about this. There's a guy named Matt Emmons. He was in the 2004 Olympics. He was in that Olympic sport that none of us really watch. It was one of those he was a target shooter, a rifle shooter only thing he had to do to win a gold medal, he was so far ahead, he just had to hit anywhere on the target. He was in lane two, he picked up his rifle, he aimed, pulled the trigger, he hit the target, scored a score to 8.1 on his score, enough to give him the gold medal. But here's what happened. When he was in lane two and he picked up his gun, he accidentally aimed at lane three's target. Now, when he pulled the trigger, he hit the target. He hit it it well enough to win the gold medal, but it was the wrong target. How many points do you think he got? Even though he hit that target, how many points do you think he got for hitting the wrong target? What do you all think? The big zero. Nothing. He went from winning a gold medal, an assured gold medal, to finishing in eighth place. So here's a very simple lesson in the story. It doesn't matter how accurate you are if you are aiming at the wrong target. That's why Jesus said, when you invest, first of all, you wanna evaluate what you're investing in, but when you decide to invest, make sure you're aiming at the right target. And he says, if if you do those things, then there's gonna be completion and fulfillment in your life. That's one of my favorite parts about verse 33. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and here it is and all these things will be provided for you. Evaluate what you're going to invest, and after you evaluate, then pick the right target, and as you go towards that right target, then Jesus says, and then all these things will be provided for you. Now that begs the question for me, what are all these things that are going to be provided for me? Well, like I said before, the people in Jesus' day, they were just like us. They were worried about life. They were worried about how they're going to make ends meet. They were wondering, how long am I going to live? Now, all these questions that, that kind of run through our minds, and then Jesus tells them in verse, 31, verse number 31, don't worry. Hey, listen, d- don't worry saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? Jesus said, let me tell you something. He said, if you will, if you will seek me, Seek after me, Jesus says, "I'm going to provide for you." Does that not does that, that sound good? It Takes a lot of pressure off of us. Jesus says, "If you will seek me, I will provide for you." Now, a lot of people, you know, I'm the provider. I'm the provider. Let me tell you something. No, you're not. God is. God is faithful. God provides for those who seek Him. Let me let me give you an example. Um, Many of you know that I, I grew up, my dad's a pastor. I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad has not always been a pastor. Uh, before my father was a pastor, he was a television news director. He was a news director in Texas, and then he moved to Oklahoma City. He was a, worked for ABC. He was a news director for ABC. My mom, when she was, she was going into the hospital to have me, dad was flying out to Los Angeles to, uh, to speak with the ABC affiliate in Los Angeles so he could be the news director there but during that time my dad had felt a call into ministry so mom went into the hospital to have me while she was having me my dad quit his job and came into the hospital and told my mom as she's just had me and he said i got a new job she's thinking oh we're going to los angeles dad said i just quit my job and i just became a pastor of a church and he didn't say this part, but this is what it was, in a drug-infested area of Oklahoma City where he was making $100 a week with two kids, and he had to start going back to school to get his degree so that he could feel more qualified to be in ministry. As you can imagine, my mother was very excited, Uh, especially whenever he told her, and by the way, I got you a job, you're gonna be the janitor at the church. And so, uh, so mom was not exactly thrilled about that, and it was tough. It was tough for my, my parents. They didn't have. And he was making hundred bucks a week, and he was a he was a full-time college student at that point. Well, it came Sunday, and it was time to go to church. My mom told my dad. She said, I, we can't we can't give our tithe to the church, which was ten dollars. We can't give a tithe to the church today because we don't have. They didn't have any food. She said, "We I, I don't have enough food even to feed Eric." Um, and my dad told my mom, he said, look, we're, we're, we're not going to do that. We're going we're to give to God because God says that he will provide for his people. Okay, so they went to church, and my mom, I'm sure with the very, and the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. I'm sure that my mother cheerfully, you know, pulled out the $10 and laid it in the offering plate. I don't know her heart, but I can guess. And so she, she put that, I uh, put in that in the, in the offering plate, and then they had no money. Went back home, nobody's eaten. And as they as they're at the house, they heard a knock on the door. My mom went to the door, opened it up, and there was a lady who lived in the neighborhood who said, my family's moving. And my mother said she almost cried when she said that because she wanted to move with her. And she said, so, so we're moving. And she said, but um, we're leaving right now. She said, but before we leave, so we have a refrigerator that's full of food. And we wanted to know if you would like to have it or it's just going to go to waste. My mom said she beat the lady back to her house. Uh, to, get the, to get the food out of that refrigerator. Now, that is a story that I've heard my whole life. That's one of our family, that's one of those legendary stories. Now, my parents told us that story over and over again for a very simple reason. It's this. When you're faithful to God, when you honor God, God always provides. Did you know that? God always provides. Church family, we serve a God. Who will provide. Listen to what the Bible says, Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He will supply all your needs. Now, is He just blowing smoke there, or is that true? That's, what, that's, that's from God's Word. We're told this in Ephesians 3.20, now to Him who's able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. I really believe that many of us miss out on seeing the provision of God in our lives for a very simple reason, because we're scared. We're, sc- we're scared. What if, God, what if God's, what if he is blowing smoke? What if, what if Paul wrote those words, but we just never heard the rest of the story because he went broke and died? You know, what, what if God is not true to his word? And so, and so we pull back thinking, what if God calls me to do something or to give, and yet I'm not going to be able to do it? Guys, let me tell you something. This is what Scripture says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Let me tell you something. You will never outgive or outdo God. You never will. It's an old story about a farmer, a very generous man, and he had some friends that came to him and just said, how in the world do you do it? How in the world do you give so generously and yet you still have so much? He said, well, it's like this. He said, I got a shovel, and I see God's bin, and I'm shoveling all that I have over into God's bin. And he said, and God's right behind me. He's shoveling back into my bin, and God's shovel's bigger. And he says, God's shovel is bigger than your shovel. And when you are faithful with what he's given you, he'll be even more faithful to you. Don't ever forget, God's shovel's bigger than yours. Now, we all invest our lives in something. Question, what do you invest in your life in? But before you invest, God's real honest with us. He said you need to evaluate what it is you're investing in. Are you investing in that which has eternal value or that which is just temporary? Y'all, Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. There's nothing better to invest in than the work of God. So if you evaluate what it is, then you want to pick the right target, whatever it is you're investing in. Make sure that you're investing in the right thing. Jesus said seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now what happens if we do those things? Then Jesus says you will experience completion and fulfillment and wholeness in your life. And all these things will be provided for you. Village Church, let's not be a church that's afraid. Yeah, there is nothing, there is nothing that is really, I think, funner, more meaningful, than whenever you see God keep his word to you. And that will increase your faith. And you go, Oh my gosh, God is real. Man, God made a promise and he keeps his word. You want to experience God keeping his word for you? You want to experience it? Be faithful to him and you'll see it happen. Heavenly Father, I am grateful for your word. I'm grateful for this day that you've given us. Lord, I pray that we will be individuals who will make our giving to you a priority, our giving of our time. Lord, our our lives, our finances, may may we make you the first priority. But Jesus, I want to thank you that you made us your first priority. It says that, that we are to love Jesus, and we do love Jesus, but it's because you first loved us. God, I pray that we will trust you more and more. I pray that you will do great and mighty things through your people. Because, God, you can. You can. Father, may we never sell you short. I pray that we will see more than we ever dreamed or imagined. And I pray these things in Christ's name.